Hey, everyone. Welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast that's all about recommending queer movies, books, TV shows, video games. If it's media, you're going to find it here. I'm Tara Scott. I review queer women's fiction at The Lesbian Review, Lambda Literary, and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And I'm Chris Bryant. I'm a contemporary romance writer who just signed her 18th contract this week about women loving women. Yes. Yes. That is exciting. So speaking of Chris, how are things going in your writing life? So I have a bunch of deadlines that hit all at once, of course, right during the holiday season, which sucks. But, you know, I do this to myself. It's nobody else's fault. I just received edits back on one of my books mm-hmm. and my editor took out a about total of about 16,000 words. So I have to do a new ending for this book. That's like that's like a long that's like a long short story. <laughs> that's almost <laughs> novella territory, isn't it? That really is. Yeah. So, I mean, and I don't disagree with my editor. We had a long phone conversation about it where we actually discussed the importance of sunscreen more than anything else (laughs) but we did talk about how it was important to change the ending Mm -hmm. and i i i'm gonna do it i'm gonna change the ending and i also pushed back the book that i'm writing right now i said well if i'm gonna have to redo this ending i'm gonna need a little bit more time for this book Mm -hmm. so i've got i've got a lot going on a lot of deadlines and uh but i don't have any I don't have any negativity in my heart about this. I think it only will help the story, so I'm okay with it. That's good. How many books do you yeah. typically have on the go at any given time? Ugh. Um, this is extreme. So, like, 2022 is going to be an extreme year for me mm-hmm. because I have three full-length novels and a novella. And so it's just all is kind of coming to head right now. Mm-hmm. Like I just did page proofs for always, which comes out in January. Mm-hmm. So that should be hitting, you know, everything real soon, like reviewer sites and, and the actual website soon. Mm-hmm. And then I'm doing the rewrite of the ending of forever. And I'm in the middle of writing serendipity. So, and then right. I posted last night on Twitter about, I replaced Ryan with Robert in my story uh, on this, uh, the short story, I'm sorry, it's not a short story, it's a novella in the novella series that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I forgot to use like capital R. So my name got changed from Chris Bryant. Oh no! It got changed to, (laughs) yeah, Chris Roberts. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I didn't even catch it. I sent it in and my uh, editor sent me a screenshot and she's like, um, did you... Maybe change somebody's name, Ryan to Robert. I'm like, oh. So, yeah. So, it's been a little stressful over here in my world, mm-hmm. my writing world. But we're all excited for you. I'm excited. Oh, man. There's a couple of those in there that people don't know about yet. And I am so excited. I can't wait for them. To yeah, I think Forever is going to be a fun read for a lot of people, you know, and that's the one I have to do the ending, redo the ending on. And it's all good because I I agree. And that's that's why you need a good editor, one Mm -hmm. that can actually work with you on the story instead of just either changing it or or letting it go, which is even worse. I mean, I think I think, you know, a lot of editors are scared to change the context of a story. You know, they want to play the role of copy editor instead of content editor. And I love that my editor is like, full, you know, head on, like 
we need to make this work. We need to make this better. Mm -hmm. And this isn't going to work. So you need to change this to make this better for everybody. And so I 100% trust her. Mm -hmm. I'm good. That's good. And that's important. Yeah. 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 That's very good. So it is listener question time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very, I think this is pretty much all for you. And I'm totally okay with that. What? So I'm, yeah, I think so. Because I don't know that I can answer these. I think you can answer the second one. But let's go with the first one first. We'll go with the first one. Let me read you the question. It's by, and I'm totally going to mutilate this because I'm not quite sure how to pronounce this. It's either go Yangi Peach, go Yangi Peach, Goy Angie Peach. It could be anything. It could be any of them. Asks, hello, what is the angstiest lesbic you've read? Looking for recommendations. Yeah, so there are a few, and I just thought of a third, which is why I kind of paused it. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, you paused. Hang on. Yeah, so there are a few, and the when I think of when I think about how to choose something like this, like what are the because it's also not just like what's the angstiest lesbic I've read, uh, but it's like what's the angstiest lesbic I've read that I would actually recommend? Because yes, yeah, like I've read some. That felt like angst for angst's sake. It didn't feel like it necessarily added to the story. It was, we're just going to make you feel pain. (laughs) And there you go. Enjoy your pain. But when it's done really beautifully in a way that drives and builds story, that's when you catch my interest. And so I have three and not all of them are romances. In fact, the first one is not a romance, but it is Letters Never Sent by Sandra Moran. And this is a book from, I'm not sure exactly when. I think it was like the early 2010s or something like that, probably. I mean, Sandra, unfortunately, um, is no longer with us. She passed away, what, like five years ago or so? Yeah. Very, very well-respected, very well-loved author in the lesbian community. But she didn't write romance novels. And this particular one, this one has a love story. And it's beautiful. But it's like a rip your guts out and then put them all back together kind of story. (laughs) It's, um, there's kind of, it's a story that's happening in two timelines. In the main timeline, which is, well... Maine isn't fair. Okay, in the more present timeline, I guess we'll say it's 1997. And it's this woman, Joan, and her mother has died. And she's gone to clear out her mother's house after her funeral. And inside an old suitcase, she finds a box. And it has like a bunch of trinkets. And it has a bunch of sealed letters to someone that her mother only identifies with an initial. And when she reads these letters, she finds this side of her mother that she's never known before. Because she was cold and angry. And then as she's reading the letters, it takes us back in time to her mother, Catherine. You know, she leaves Kansas in 1931. She goes to Chicago. She goes to work at the glove counter at Sears and Roebuck. And there's one day she meets this young woman who kind of this relationship changes her life. And it goes back and forth. And, you know, we spend, it's really interesting seeing this, like, who Catherine was as a young woman wasn't that same like angry, cold, whatever, but you kind of understand how that ended up being the mother that Joan was raised by and just her story and what happens with her 
and specifically what happens with her and Annie is so incredible. It's just the most beautiful thing. I do have to give two content warnings, though. There is a sexual assault that happens in the book, and there is also a botched abortion for one of Catherine's friends. So not a main character, but a side character. This is before, you know, abortion was legal. And unfortunately, it kind of goes about as badly as it can go. So if that's something that's likely to make you squeamish, just like a warning there. For me, I found it 100% worth checking out though. Like it was it was still worth it because overall the experience of that book was amazing. Nice. The next two books I have are romances. And it's funny, as I was going through this, I was I was telling you, Chris, I was like, you know, I know Radcliffe did some real good angsty ones. And I couldn't think of any off the top of my head. And I was scrolling through Goodreads and I was like, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> and it's Love's Melody Lost, which is one of my favorites by Radcliffe. And so it's this composer and pianist, Graham, who after some kind of an accident, she lost her... Uh, she she lost her her vision. She's blind now, and she just becomes kind of a recluse and is in this like dark mansion. Uh, yeah, even the the blurb says she retreats to a bleak mansion atop windswept <laughs> cliffs, <laughs> and and you know like awesome. her life is sad now. And so then Anna comes to I think she comes to like run her home basically. Like I don't. Like, I guess be like a personal secretary. Like, she doesn't cook for her or anything like that. But whatever. They fall in love. But the thing that I love about this is how it really harkens to the gothic novel tradition. And, like, Graham, in a lot of ways, kind of reminds me of Mr. Rochester near the end of Jane Eyre. Like, after he's had his big accident. And he's like, who could love me? And Jane's like, me, <laughs> right. you dumbass. <laughs> and so... I am sure that the disability representation is problematic. This book is like 20 years old, but there is just something about like the passion and yeah, the whole gothic side of things driving that angst. That is really, really good. My last one, which I'm not really going to get into, but I will say The Goodmans by Claire Ashton. There is a subplot in there um, because there are a couple of romances happening and there is a subplot that happens in that book that when I got to that part I felt like I got punched in the stomach and I could like feel <laughs> oh. it in my body for three days afterward it is the biggest angst bomb I have ever come across and it's perfect <laughs> And I don't want to say anymore because I don't want to give any type of a hint or anything like that. It is one of those books that like you just kind of have to read it and you have to experience it and you will be changed. <laughs> Probably. I was like, I just woof. It was. Oh, my God. I know it got a lot of uh, discussion in the uh, lesbic uh, community for sure. I remember. that. Yes. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there. I know that's super cagey. If you want to know more, you know, there are reviews at, I think, I am pretty sure I reviewed it at Smart Bitches Trashy Books. I think Sheena was probably the one who reviewed it at the Lesbian Review. But honestly, just go into it. Don't read anything about it. Just read that book. Yeah. Is my thing. Good. Have you read any angsty lesfic books? I have. 
I've read a lot of them. Do I have any recommendations? You know, here's the deal. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time with angst. I really do. Mm -hmm. I like, it's too much for me to handle sometimes. Like I, it's why I don't watch Lifetime movies Mm -hmm. and I watch the Hallmark movies Mm -hmm. because with Lifetime, there's always angst. Whereas Hallmark is so sweet and syrupy that like I, I have a hard time with them. But um, I know that um, I like you said Radcliffe, Radcliffe for sure, and I've I've read some angsty Melissa Brayden. uh, Oh yeah, I I mean, you can, yeah. So we have one of her first ones, Waiting in the Wings, and then the Tang, the first book in the Tangle uh, series. You know, I do this all the time. I call it the Tangle series. (laughs) Well, I think the book is called Entangled, isn't it? Yeah, I think, but is it Entangled or is it the first one? Because it's like a, there's like a three book. But the first one, whatever the first one is, and I can't mm-hmm. remember it now. Cause I think it that caught me off guard because I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't prepared. Oh, really? But the first one, yeah, the first one was a roller coaster for me. And I told her, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, you put me on this ride. Because it was like, oh, everything's better. Oh my God, no, it's worse. It's like a roller coaster. Up high, up low. I thought that one wasn't high, so bad. Uh, Strawberry Summer was yes. very, very angsty. Like That's, I cried. Yeah. You're not going to call me on the pun, the book related pun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to call you on the pun. <laughs> I hate puns, but, either, yes. but I couldn't help it. Yeah, I do too. I, you know, somebody has ruined puns for me. Mm-hmm. I used to like love them and I used to every so often, like a perfectly dropped pun is amazing sure like drop it and run yeah. but somebody has ruined puns for me because that's all they talk to me in is in pun talk oh. and i can't deal with it like i literally have to leave because i get so angry because they have ruined something so wonderfully yeah uh, too much. yeah like you could drop yeah when well you can drop an awesome pun and walk away and just be like i'm the coolest person ever <laughs> but then somebody who talks and nothing but puns mm-hmm. like just irritates the shit out of me so mm-hmm. anyway uh, okay, so uh, here's another question. KB asks, why lesbic? When did you first discover lesbic? All right. I feel like this is one, like, surely you also can talk about when you first discovered oh, it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so for me, I I feel like I've probably mentioned this and talked about this in an earlier episode, but in, in case I didn't, uh, I don't really know how to answer the why lesbic question. Maybe it'll be easier if I talk about why I discovered it first or when I discovered it first. So... When I discovered it, I was pregnant with my oldest daughter, so it was a little over 10 years now, probably about 10 and a half years ago, and I was not doing my job at work. I was at work, but I was perhaps a little disengaged, uh, doing a little scrolling on the internet, and I came across, this was when I was a pretty big fan of the site Jezebel, and they reprinted a top 10 list from Autostraddle. And it was something like the top 10 lesbian romances on my Kindle right now. And I read probably half the list. I started with And Playing the Role of Herself by K.E. Lane. And then I read Above All Honor by Radcliffe. And then went on to gobble all the all the books in that series that were out right. up to that point. I read It Should Be a Crime by Carson Tate, which is still my favorite of Carson's books. Uh, there was another Radcliffe one. Oh, what's that one that everybody loves that has Quinn and the 
Faded uh, Love. Honor, is it the Faded Love. Faded Love. Yeah. And I think there were a few from Bella on there, but I didn't get into those. And so from there, I kind of just like, that was how I learned about Bold Strokes books. And I read like a ton from Bold Strokes. Pardon me. And then a few years after that, they put out a call for proofreaders and I applied because I thought, well, I mean, I have a master's in literature. I've been a copywriter for however long. And they said, you know, we pay in books. And I was like, well, I would like books. And so I yes. did, <laughs> so I did yes, that please. for a couple of years um, until I realized that if I became a book reviewer, I could get books from any publisher <laughs> that I wanted. And that, right. so that's how I ended up there. So that's kind of how I ended up in Les Fakir. Although the thing that's interesting that I completely forgot until a few years ago is that, you know, that wasn't the first lesbian book that I read. When I was in university, I got into um, Jane Rule, who is a Canadian lesbic, lesbian uh, fiction author, probably most famous for her book Desert of the Heart, because that was also turned into a film. So, I, and then I guess like... And I remember that film. Yeah, right? So then I guess back to the why lesbic, like why, why do I still read it so much? Why am I still kind of involved and part of the community? I think the why is that, you know, it brings a more balanced dynamic to relationships than what I was seeing in the, in the um, opposite sex pairings, romances, or even the male male romances, because I read a handful of those before I started reading lesbic gender politics don't come into play it's more you still get your tropes you still get your themes but it's never like alpha male i know what you want and i'm gonna tell you <laughs> and it's this dick and it's like no go away it's not like it's just not like that and to be fair i mean it's not like all opposite sex romances like that either like i have read kind of a handful more over the last couple of years and if you know where to look you can you can find good ones but that's I don't feel like I see myself in that kind as much either even as someone who's married to a man because the romance heroes often don't match the emotional intelligence that Neil has and right not seeing that ends up being really unsatisfying. So I I did have to take a bit of a break from lesbian romance over the last year. Like every so often I have to take a break because that's pretty much all I read for eight years. Um, and then the pandemic hit and uh, I don't think I'm unique at all in this. But when the <laughs> pandemic hit, romance wasn't landing the same way for me anymore. Okay. It was really hard to get into and stay into. So that was how I ended up reading more you know, sci-fi and YA and fantasy and nonfiction and all those other things. But I mean, I keep coming back. It's what I was reading at bedtime last night. So what about you? How did you discover it? Why lesfic for you when you could be writing anything? Right. Because I didn't know it existed until about 10 years ago. So like here in Kansas City, I always joke about how we are at least 20 years behind the rest of the world. And I think that this is true. And we had one store that had a, you know, a, a, a rainbow flag. And the books that were in there were usually like male, male, or like they were just so like short stories mm -hmm. of like pure erotica. And it just, it, it, it like kind of got me like, oh my gosh, there are books out there like this. And I've always been a book person. Like I like to hold books. I like to like, I'm a 
everybody hates me for this, but I actually dog ear pages. You know, I'm that person. I like tangible things. And so I fought the Kindle. I was like, no, I don't want a Kindle. I like books. I like having a ton of books on my bookshelves. I like knowing that I can just go over there and pick one up and turn to a page and know what I'm reading, what I'm holding, what page I'm on, stuff like that. So I fought the Kindle. Mm -hmm. And then my parents got me a Kindle for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I get, and I don't know how I stumbled on it, but I found Lesvik on Kindle. And it was so nice because then it says, if you enjoy this book, you know, you can click and buy this book. And so, like, I was looking through all of my orders. Mm -hmm. And I, they actually got it for me, it looks like, for my birthday in 2011. So mm -hmm. uh, in my birthday month, 2011, uh, I was, you know, real young. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you were a baby. <laughs> so, like, were a baby. I was a baby. And uh, so I was looking at all my downloads, you know, what all I did. And for sure, like, I had uh, Faded Love. Mm -hmm. like Radcliffe was one of my first ones. Um, I actually have Thy Neighbor's Wife, Waking Up Gray, Too Close to Touch. So I just, I, I just kind of went through all of the you know, suggestions. Mm -hmm. And then I actually found the ca the whole thing. And I was, and I read like 200 books in like no time. Mm -hmm. I was like, boom, boom, boom. This is amazing. Oh my God. There are people out here just like me and they write and their stories, you know, that I've wanted to read my whole life, but I, you know, had to read the, the bodice rippers from, you know, yeah. the bookstores because they yeah. didn't cater to LGBT, LGBTQ people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, I just did that. I found it that way. And I said, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm, I have a degree in writing and I never put it to use. So I'm going to do it. So that's when I decided to write Lesbic. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So Chris. Yes. What have you been reading or watching lately? I suppose you're just watching because you're writing all the books. If you're not writing a book, you're right. editing a book. And if you're not editing or <laughs> writing a book, you're doing page proofs, right? Right. Exactly. So the TV is on. Mm -hmm. And here's the good news. Dexter started back up, and I'm super excited about Dexter. Uh, a lot of people are, uh -huh. and some people are like, who the hell is Dexter? So it is a show on Showtime that uh, ended, I don't know, like 10 years ago. And here's the thing. I didn't watch Dexter when it was on. Mm -hmm. I, like, binge-watched it during the pandemic. So, like, I seriously watched all however many seasons there were, like, eight seasons or something, mm -hmm. something like that. And so then it started back up, so it's still kind of new for me. You know, I still kind of remember the characters and stuff. And so, so it's not, I thought they ended it. It's, they didn't. Ah, 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 okay. No, <laughs> well, they ended it, but then they started it back up again. Oh. Because in the original, you see that he, at the end of the season, you see like there's an opening. Oh, okay. And like the world hated how Dexter ended, hated it. Yeah. So, uh, so they started it up again. So that's nice. So I'm watching that. Mm -hmm. And I also just started. Uh, I finished the first season, you know, because I can like do it in a day yeah. of the morning show with uh, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. Mm -hmm. So I'm watching that. I just started the second season. And also, you know, I hate it, but the stupid freaking the well, I love it. The great British baking show. <laughs> but they do it. They do it weekly now. They're doing that stupid weekly thing. You know, like yeah. Survivor that I also watch, but yeah. they're doing that, and I don't like it. But I love it because I love that show, and I love British humor because they get away with so much that there's no way we could get away with mm -hmm. in the United States on their television shows, and it just cracks me up. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Do you ever watch any of the quiz shows that come out of Britain? 
No, I don't. There are some fun ones. And they always put comedians on them. And so <laughs> one of my favorites is called QI. Because it's it's definitely comedians, but they have a theme for each show, and so or it'll be um a letter, yeah 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 each each oh see I should have before I said this I should have looked it up to make sure I actually knew <laughs> what I was talking about. I'm trying to remember if it's if it's a season if if it's each episode is one letter it must be each season is based on one letter. It's like everything is a every question has to do with a word that has to do with the letter K in an episode for example and but because it's all comedians like sometimes they come up with things that are actually true but often they get more points if they're interesting than if they're correct uh which is fun (laughs) and then every year the other one that we like to watch every year it's called big fat quiz of the year and it's all questions about things that happen throughout the year but it's also all comedians doing it and it's hilarious. You can find it on YouTube. Usually it's well worth your time. Okay, good. Yeah, because I love quiz shows and I love British humor. So yeah, I'm in. They I'm made in. you a show. What about you? What, you show? what have I been, I've been watching? They did. I know. <laughs> yeah. What have I been watching? Okay, so I have been I have been watching more than I have been reading, but I do have a book to tell you all about. Okay. So I have been reading The Demon Equilibrium by Kathy Pegow friend of the podcast and i first got to know kathy because she wrote some sci-fi books for karina press and two of them are wlw and then one of them is a male female one but like they were great super 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 fun romances uh where the like the sci-fi world building was great but like the chemistry was fabulous and so i was like okay okay it's been a while since kathy put out a book that i've read because she also had another series that i did not read but i think it was like a historical mystery series or something like that which like mysteries i'm sorry kathy mysteries are not my jam (laughs) they're just not but with this one so she so it's a new book that came out i think beginning of november with bywater books so also great 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 fabulous lesbian publisher and it's about queer lady demon hunters oh nice right nice oh and it's being told in two timelines so there is the present which is like 1903 and then there is the past which is six years before and in the present it's the characters coming back together and in the past it's how they got together in the first place and so there is something sort of second chancy about it except it isn't like they just broke up there was some fuckery they were forced apart (laughs) (laughs) and it has something to do with the magical stuff Mm, magical stuff that's all i'm gonna say it is it has like a really good strong adventure vibe uh the chemistry is there i'm really digging it i think i'm only about 15 20 percent in but really really enjoying it and i will report back if it stays good in terms of what i've been watching uh rupaul's drag race uk is still on canada's drag race is also on I don't know about anybody else, but I'm weirdly kind of disappointed in both of them. What? I know. That's your jam. That's your jam. But I kind of feel like they're both a little bit boring. And UK's, the the UK one, 
I was super interested in because they had their first AFAB queen, like a like a drag queen who is a woman, you know, assigned female at birth, identifies as a woman. But she was incredible. Her makeup was so good. Victoria Scone, like she's just fucking great. But she had to go home with an injury in like the second or third episode. And I was like, well, okay, well, at least Veronica Green is still there. Veronica Green was on season two of Drag Race UK. And they were in the middle of filming that season when COVID hit. And so they all had to go home and then come back later to finish the season. But she couldn't come back because she had COVID. And so they brought her back for season three. And I was super excited. And then she got sent home in like the second episode or something like that. And I'm like, come on. Yeah, right? Like the two that I was most excited about were sent home. (laughs) And there are some like, there are some good talented queens, but like I kind of, it's just not that interesting. And drag, and Canada's drag race. So I couldn't finish all of the first season because I didn't like the judging. They don't have RuPaul judging that one. They have other folks judging it. So like Brooklyn Heights, who I think was on season 11 of the U.S. Drag Race, is kind of the the drag queen judge. And then they have like a couple of other judges. And I couldn't get behind the judging in the first season because some of it was really mean. Yeah. And not only was it really mean, I didn't feel like any of them brought the authority that RuPaul brings. Right. Right? Because like... RuPaul was supermodel of the world in what, like 1992 was when that was happening? Like, RuPaul is such an institution in drag, and I feel like can give just about any comment that he wants to because he's RuPaul. But like, Brooklyn Heights, like, you were just on your own season a few years ago. So you can't do that. Yeah. No. And I feel like they're doing a much better job on the judging this season. Like, it doesn't feel as mean. They're still critical feedback for sure which is good but for two weeks in a row i watched an episode and woke up the next morning and said who the hell was eliminated again i couldn't even remember like it's just not so that's been kind of a disappointment on the flip side still in the world of drag and connected to drag race season two of we're here is airing it is on hbo it was my official recommendation a few episodes ago for season one And season two, holy shit, is so, so, so good. So it's on HBO. If you are in Canada, you can get it through. If you are a subscriber to Crave, it's automatically included in the basic package. And again, it's that for anybody who didn't listen to that episode, it has Bob the Drag Queen, Shangela, and Eureka O'Hara, all kind of royalty from RuPaul's Drag Race. And they're going to small towns and they each take on one or two or sometimes three, uh, what they call their drag daughters or drag sons. Like basically they're getting them into drag and they're all putting on a drag show and it's to spread some kind of a message in the community. In some cases, it's to uh, memorialize a queer person in their life that they lost. Sometimes it's a straight person who wants to show that they're a good ally to the community. Sometimes it's to help a queer person gain more self-acceptance. You know, they're just, they don't even realize that that's kind of what they're there for. And that's what ends up happening. That's nice. It's so good. I think one of the most moving so far, uh, I mean, they're all moving to a certain degree. There were a couple though that really spoke to me. And there was the one in Selma, Alabama. And they actually also like, not only are they, so there's a, a black trans woman. There is a grandmother and her grandson 
who are doing it because his sister, who is also, you know, the granddaughter, had been murdered and she was gay. And um, yeah, and uh, a gay man in the community who is a real estate agent and just basically talking about how hard it is to be queer in Selma because it is deep in the South. Right. Um, there is a lot of violence in that community they were sharing. But they met, the three drag queens met with some of the foot soldiers who were there on Bloody Sunday. And it was incredible. Like, just kind of that reminder that there are still places in the U.S. where, like, history was made. And there are queer people there, too. And that struggles are intersectional. It's so, oh, my God. It was so good. And then in the episode after that, it was some place in Indiana. And there was a Methodist pastor who got into drag, even though, like, he might get kicked out of the church. He doesn't know. But because he wants to say, God loves you. You are welcome here. He has a pansexual daughter. And again, it's to say, like, I love my daughter exactly as she is. And it was so, oh, I love that pastor. <laughs> He's so good. And it's like, I don't love a lot of pastors. We know, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We know. Talked about how I've, how I've left the church and how that's like a thing of contention for me. But like, I can get behind pastors like that, making his church a safe space. So yes, go, go, go check out uh, We're Here because it just continues to be phenomenal. And they actually got two extra episodes this season. They had six episodes in the first season. And they have eight episodes this season. I mean, who knows? Maybe they're supposed to have eight and then COVID fucked it up. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, that's good. You're pretty excited to find out that you were not at the end of it. I was very excited. That's right. Well, I was talking to Chris and I was like, well, there's one more episode. Then I was like, I better look it up. And I was like, woohoo, there's three more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Good for you. Best news. All right. So, Chris, what yes. is your official recommendation this week? So my official recommendation is Beginner's Bet by Fiona Riley. It was one of the audiobooks I listened to on my 24-hour times two trek to P-Town, to and from P-Town. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, last week, or I'm sorry, last podcast, we discussed Evelyn Hugo. And mm-hmm. this was another book that I really enjoyed. And I'm going to go ahead and read the blurb because yep. it's just the easiest way to describe. I'm really bad at describing things, so... The blurb works. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ellison Gamble owns the most successful luxury real estate firm in Boston, but the accomplishment feels hollow when she comes home to an empty house. Institutionalizing her mother for her own safety was the hardest thing Katie Crawford had ever done. The costs are becoming more than she can manage, and her only solution is to sell her childhood home that has fallen to disrepair. After a tense first interaction with Katie, Ellison eventually finds herself in an unlikely friendship and makes a risky offer to help Katie sell her mother's home. Katie will do anything to help her mom, but being attracted to a woman for the first time was not in the plan. Will the risks they take be worth the reward, or have they wagered on a losing bet? So, <gasps> dun, I know. Dun, dun. <laughs> So this book is the third in the high stakes series, but it totally can be read as a standalone. You know, it's kind of fun to know who the other characters in the other books are, but it's not a make or break deal. Mm -hmm. And spoiler alert, it takes a lot for me to read a series. It just does. Like (laughs) My attention span is that of a gnat, and uh, I've talked about it before. But, you know, in in this particular series, I have actually read all three books. 
And the first two books were good. This book is great. And I think it's because the characters are so different. They're not, there's no competitiveness. Um, Mm -hmm. Like the first book is really, was, it was kind of funny. There was like a big joke on social media, whether you were team Trina or team Kendall. And I was totally team Kendall, 100%. Mm -hmm. But this one, it, it, it was just such a different book. You know, the characters, they're not in the same social or professional field. So it's kind of a rich, poor trope. And so there's no competitiveness. There was no quippy banter back and forth. It was all really organic conversation. And that there was a vulnerability when uh, Fiona wrote this book. And so, and it comes through on the page and it's just Mm -hmm. so beautifully written. And so when I first started reading this, Rebecca from Ted Lasso, played by Hannah Waddingham, I think is her name. Mm -hmm. She popped in my head as Allison. Oh my. Yes. So you're welcome. (laughs) <laughs> so you're welcome for that. Yeah. Um, that's who I saw the entire time, you know, strong, intelligent woman who shows her true self to people who deserve to see it, you know, who mm-hmm. have broken through this tough exterior just to get to her true heart. So I talked about in the past how when I read books, if they're really, really good, they mm-hmm. play like a movie in my head. And yeah. this book played, you know, for sure when, when you know, I had Rebecca as Allison, for sure it played into a, yeah. a movie. Because, like, the way Fiona writes is just so special. It's so clear and so good. Mm-hmm. You know, so the conflict was was believable. And, you know, the sex, of course, is, is really good. So here it is. So, like, if you like the rich trope, rich, poor trope, mm-hmm. and the, oh, I thought I knew the ending, but I was so fucking wrong, yeah. then pick up this book. And I listened to the audiobook, and I thought it was great. But I know, I, but I've read the first two books, so you can't go wrong either way, either with the audiobook or with the actual tangible book. That sounds pretty great, and like I should check it out. Yeah, for sure, and it's been getting really good reviews, uh, like mm-hmm. really good reviews. And and usually, you know, when you do a, a a series, you know, the first one's always real big, the second one's okay, and the third one's just kind of, you know, it's okay. But mm-hmm. this one, I think it it started off like. I, I really thought that this book was the best out of the series. And like I said, it can be used as a standalone, but it's also nice to know the other characters who are in to the story as well from the other books. Hmm. Pretty exciting. Yes. What about you? What uh, What's your official recommendation? Okay. So I mentioned a couple episodes back that I was reading this book, but I finished it Ooh. and it is high, high, high recommendation. Nice. It's The Headmistress by Milena Mackay. The premise of this is that Sam Threadneedle is a teacher at Three Dragons, which I was a little, I have to be honest, I was a little confused at first because I was like, is this a magic school? They have houses. <laughs> they have, is this like the, is this like a not Harry Potter kind of? No, it's not. It's just a fancy boarding school. It's a, it's a private boarding school. So Sam is a teacher. She's a math teacher. She's kind of, you see her daydreaming about this like super hot one night stand she had with this older woman in New York City a few months before. And then it's just this like, oh, hey, uh, guess what? So we have some new board members and they said that uh, the headmistress needs to be replaced and everybody has to reapply for their jobs. (laughs) And guess who the headmistress is? Let me guess. It's the hot older woman she banged in New York. (laughs) Of course it's it is. <laughs> fabulous. And who is an ice queen, which I love. And 
it kind of just goes from there. And so one of the things that I really liked off the bat is that it kind of, the chapters, it goes back and forth between Sam recollecting her time with Magdalene. So Magdalene Knox is the new headmistress, but it goes backwards. So it like starts with the sex scene and then it goes kind of into the present time with what's happening at the school. And then at the next chapter, it's like, Anyway, it kind of moves its way backwards. So it goes from like sex scene to like them being in the room to how they met in the bar. Oh, to that's Sam cool. Being alone yeah. At the bar. yeah, yeah. Like it's really, it's kind of clever. And I, I quite liked seeing that sort of back and forth. So there's the difference between like who she saw and was super attracted to in New York to this like bitch on wheels <laughs> <laughs> who's like firing her friends and all of this. But at the same time... Magdalene recognizes that she's smart and so she keeps Sam and she takes Sam's counsel and they kind of grow like they know they're attracted to each other but they actually I really enjoyed watching them grow to respect each other and then how that ends up being the foundation before they get back into more sex later (laughs) and the other thing that I thought was kind of fun is that there's one more ice queen in the book and it's a cat it is is a cat Like, every cat is an ice queen, I'm just saying. Right, yeah, yeah, it's a cat, um, and so it's a cat that basically belongs to the school, and Magdalene points at it, and she's like, what the fuck is this, and why is it in my office, and they're like, I mean, that's that's the school cat, I can't remember the cat's name, that's the school cat, and she's like, get the fucking school cat out of the school, and the cat just is like, nope, and double middle finger, but they kind of... They grow, they end up growing fond of each other. Like watching between the cat and Magdalene, this beautiful little loving relationship grows. So the cat follows her everywhere around the school and like, that's awesome. Will be protective of her. And then eventually, you know, eventually the cat lets Sam in as well because it's like, oh, you're my person's person. Like it's just, I was beyond delighted. Like, yes, That's the awesome. relationship between Sam and Magdalene is fantastic. Yeah. But chemistry <laughs> is off the hook. But I never expected <laughs> to see that happen with with the cat and the ice cream. And it. it was the, it had my heart. The other thing, and I hesitate whether to even bring it up because I had no idea. And I was floored. So I will say as little as possible. All I will say is that there is a twist. And the twist was so clever that I will read this book again because I need to read it knowing that piece of information. Okay. Yeah. I All right. I'm going to read it. Oh. Is, is it an audio book too? Uh, maybe. I love the I cover, know. by the way. I love the cover. Oh. You and I, we're look, cover I've... snobs. And we're like totally different on covers. So... Are we agreeing? I have bagged on a lot. I have talked shit about a lot of covers. <laughs> in my Mine life. included. <laughs> and that's okay. Listen, I can respect it. <laughs> I did. We might be thinking the same. Co- I, did, I like some of your covers. There's. Yeah. I, that's okay. It's that a- really didn't do it for me. <laughs> it's not personal. <laughs> I know it's not. Uh, it's right. I'm checking if it is in audio. Uh, my search on Audible did not turn up anything. And I'm just, I'm just asking because I know a lot of people are switching over to audiobooks now. And yeah, I like, because I won't be going on a road trip anytime soon. It'll actually be an actual book for me. Oh yeah. But I know that a lot of people are are into the, um, 
you know, listening. Yeah. So I don't think it is yet. This author is self-published. And I mean, yeah, some some self-published authors get audiobooks made, but they are expensive and difficult to get made sometimes. So I can understand why. Honestly, though, it's well, well, well worth it. Like I said, though, if you start reading it, you're like, is this a not Hogwarts? It's not a not Hogwarts. (laughs) Just think like fancy private school. Yeah, the ice queen age gap thing. Very, very worked for me. And the cats. (sighs) I can't. That that was the sinker for me. I mean the like the swish, like the whole I'm doing it. I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna read it because there's a cat and I love cats, so I'm in. Well the thing that was funny about that is I was so I had started reading it. I've I've had kind of a bit of a tough time this fall with like getting into books and finishing them and as I don't think it's anything to do with the books themselves. I mean, I, I mentioned in an earlier podcast that, you know, my whole family ended up getting COVID, myself included. And while that was shitty from like a physical standpoint, it was, I think, harder for me from a mental health standpoint. You know, I ended up being very, very angry. And so it was hard for me to get into books and it was harder for me to like stay into books. And so the headmistress is one that like I picked up and put down probably three or four times and nothing to do with the book more because I was a walking rage ball (laughs) Um, and, you know, reading about people falling in love super wasn't working for me. And I saw Lee Winter, who is another, you know, lesbian author, one of my favorites. Love, love, love her books. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. She writes all the ice queens. I love her ice queens. And (laughs) she was talking about how her favorite thing was seeing the two ice queens, Magdalene and the cat. And I'm like, pardon? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) And so I got back into it. And then once I got back into it, it was pretty hard for me to put down, actually. So. Yeah, it's fantastic. Highly, highly recommend. Nice. So that is all for this episode. Thank you so, so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed the show, please, you know, and you are not a subscriber, please consider hitting that subscribe button so that you'll get, you know, automatic downloads whenever we release an episode. If you'd like to support the show, we have a link to our Kofi in the show notes. If you don't want to, that's totally okay. It's just <laughs> there if you're interested. And if you have a friend that you think would enjoy getting queer media recommendations into their ears, please let them know about it as well. Yes. And you know what I would love? What would you love? I would love if we got some more reviews on Apple Podcasts. Is it Apple, Apple that mm-hmm. we have the... I always have Tara mm-hmm. pull up like, hey, have we? <laughs> do we have any new reviews? Do we have... Has anybody said anything about us? And it's mm-hmm. free. So if you review us, it's it's free and it's the holidays are coming up and it would be nice to have a couple more reviews. So I would love that. And so would Tara. Uh, Okay. So if you want to connect with us on your social favorite, geez, hello, hello. (laughs) Can you tell I'm halfway out the door? I gotta go. I gotta go find some sleighs. Um, (laughs) I'm getting ready to go on a scavenger hunt type thing. Um, Anyway, Uh so if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, just search for Queerly Recommended on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or email us at podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. Uh, and you can also find Tara and I separately on um, on Twitter. Everywhere, both. Mm-hmm. Facebook, all those. We have our separate accounts, plus we have the Queerly Recommended account. So That's right. Yes. Yeah, so goodbye, everyone. Bye.